This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. No. This is Creepy. A podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents The Holders Series Number 45 The Holder of Peace In any city, in any country... Go to any mental institution or halfway house you can get yourself to. Storm up to the front desk with a look of rage on your face and demand to see a person who calls themselves the holder of peace immediately. The attendant will recoil and ask you to speak softly. Do not comply with his request. If anything, speak louder for the anger in your voice is all that keeps the chains locked on the door behind the desk. Keep the anger in your voice. The attendant will duck under his desk and point with a quivering finger down a hall to the right that was not there before. Immediately turn and stomp off down the hall. Do not look over your shoulder, for should the attendant catch you, and he will, he will casually lean back and flip the lock off the door behind him. Wait until you find a door with a beautiful mother-of-pearl inlay design. Throw it open. But take the rage off your face immediately. The ones inside do not appreciate such anger. With a peaceful look across your face, enter. You are in a beautiful open-air temple, with ivy curling up the marble pillars and beautiful mosaics embroidering the walls. The door will lock behind you. Do not try to open it, 
for it never will. And the monks in brown robes you see wandering about will do anything to get you to stay, even if it means your death. Wander around, and no matter what language you speak, the monks speak it too. They're friendly, and all of them would love to chat, but politely decline. Tell them you must speak with the head of the order. Eventually you will be directed to a man sitting at a chessboard, the temple's abbot. The figure across from him is hooded and wearing armor. Do not attempt to speak to the hooded figure, or your death will be far worse than any vision of hell that man could conjure up. Instead, turn to the man in the now familiar brown robes. The game is one move away from checkmate. Bow and ask nicely. Why did they gather, father? He will open his mouth as if to speak, but the figure across from him will let out a demonic howl of rage and draw a sword. It is beautifully crafted, but seems somehow stained with an unthinkable evil. With a yell, the figure will kick you down and begin systematically slaughtering the other monks. They will try to fight back, but they have only stabs, and the sword the madman yields is so sharp that it slices through the pillars like a knife through butter. As you are watching this, the abbot will make the final move in the game. The man in armor will swing around and then run at you with the sword upraised. If you were rude or did something wrong, you will be rent at the atomic level by the blade of the sword, and the pain will never cease. However, if you were polite, the abbot will step in front of you and jam the black king into the right eye of the warrior. Pay no heed or sympathy as he falls to the ground, screaming, or the abbot will whirl around and do the same to you with the white king. Instead, focus on the abbot, who is now turned around to face you. He will tell you why they gather. It is a long tale, so fraught with bloodshed and horror that it may well snap your mind. But, if you survive its telling, he will reach under the table with the chessboard and pass you a scabbard richly jeweled and inlaid with gold. Though you have never seen it before, you instinctively know that it matches the sword the warrior was wielding a moment ago. Do not hesitate. Take it. Walk over. Pick up the madman's sword. Wipe it and sheath it. Buckle it on as well. You will have need of it. Move to leave. But before you do, the good father will halt you and gesture towards the now unhooded face of the warrior. He was handsome, but pay no heed to that. The one thing you should be focusing on is the fact that the Black King is gone. Look up at the abbot, who will nod and say one word. Regis sighed. A flash of light will blind you. And when your sight returns, you will be standing on the curb two blocks down from the asylum. Step back onto the sidewalk. You don't want to have an accident. The sword you now wield once belonged to the White King. It is object number 45 of 538.
Number 46. The Holder of the Mirror. In any city in any country in the world, go to any mental institution or hospital and ask the attendant for the holder of the mirror. The attendant will look at you strangely, as if you had spoken in a different language. Ask again until they finally understand, and they will lead you deep into the institution without a word. They will lead you to a plain iron door, unlocking it and motioning for you to enter the dark hallway beyond. They will stay behind, never uttering a word, never making eye contact with you. Once the door closes behind you, the hallway will be lit by an ethereal light to reveal the walls of the hallway made of mirrors. The reflections stretch out to infinity on either side of you, but none of them show your reflection. They show the reflection of those who came before you. Each reflection shows another who sought the holder. Each shows how they died. Try not to look at their faces as the beasts devour them. Try not to look at all. Just walk in a straight line. If you look, if you watch, the beasts and the reflections will see you too, and they will come for you. If ever the light begins to dim, if you begin to lose your way in the darkness, close your eyes tight and say firmly, without fear, the ones you seek have gone before. If the lights return, you are lucky, and the creatures that stalk you have let you alone. If it goes dark, do not run. There's no point in fleeing nor in praying for a swift death. They will catch you, and your end will stretch out to eternity. At the end of the impossibly long corridor, you will find another door, with hot white light shining around its edges. Knock on the door, and you will be allowed entry. Standing in the center of the octagonal room will be a figure, merely a silhouette in the half-light of the chamber. He will pay you no heed until you ask him a question. What did they reflect? Any other question, and he will fill your every pore with a thousand needles, flaying your hide and letting it fly in salt winds as he tortures your mind into insanity, ensuring you live eternally with him in the chamber, merely a shade of what you once were. Every moment of existence a mad agony. If you ask him the right question, however, he will answer you in details that will chill you to your bones and turn your heart to stone. He will tell you what the holders mean, why they exist, and what is to come. After he tells you this, he will step into your vision, revealing who he is. You will see yourself, except instead of eyes, your copy will have shining silver mirrors in its sockets. As you watch, unable to move in horror, your copy will dig one of the mirrors out, blood spilling thick and fast. You will hand yourself the bloodied shard, and then you will find yourself back outside the institution. This bloodied mirror is object 46 of 538. 
Do not attempt to clean the blood from its surface, or your end shall be a nightmare beyond even the horrors of hell. Number 47. The Holder of the Bloom In any city in any country, go to any inn, motel, or any place you can rest. Simply find a bed that is comfortable enough for your tastes. Then sleep. And sleep a while longer. Should you dream, then you are meant for this task. If not, then your success up until now was only luck. And pray, pray that you never awaken. The objects you have are yours no longer, and their holders will want them back. In your dreams you will see a beautiful garden, with cool fountains and rare flowers sparkling in the mist. Here you may rest and prepare yourself. When you are ready, search the garden until you come upon a gazebo in the middle of the clearing. In the gazebo's shade rests a beautiful woman in a dress that echoes the colors of the garden. She will gesture for you to sit on her left. She likes you and she has a task for you to complete for her. Without words or gestures, she will ask you to find her a flower in her garden. It's best to do as she asks. You are, after all, her friend, and it is best to be in her graces. She will keep the description of the flower a secret. She is testing you, after all. If you are destined for your role, or if your luck continues, you will come upon two interwoven trees, each producing a different flower. Choose wisely, for if you displease your hostess, it will be more advisable to smash your skull upon the rocks than to face her discontent. If you choose the right flower, then simply head back to the gazebo and give it to her. She will smile, kiss you on the cheek, and say, I was a seeker once too. Be aware of your fate. As she turns away, you will see her back has been mauled and mutilated by fire, teeth, and things your mind couldn't hope to comprehend. Follow her into her home. Do not be afraid. She wishes you no harm, as she understands your journey. You will stop at the entrance of the house, and she will open the door for you with these final words. I will let you go freely. But you must promise me one thing. If ever your journey brings you back here, I ask that you end me. If you break my promise, sleep will never hold safety for you again. With that, she will gently push you through the door and back to the realm of the waking. You will awaken in your own bed. Through the corner of your eye, you will see something being slipped under the door. It is an envelope containing a single flower petal. The petal is object 47 of 538. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Number 48. The Holder of Sacrifice. In any city in any country, go to any mental institution or halfway house you can get yourself to. When you reach the front desk, ask to visit someone who calls himself the holder of the sacrifice. A look of bliss should come over the worker's face, and they will ignore you. Request twice more. You will then be taken by another staff member to the highest floor in the building, then one higher. It will be in an unused pitch black section of the building. It will appear as if it is under construction. You will hear the sounds of work being done. Demand that you be taken to the overseer. The staff member will realize he has not fooled you and will take you to the true floor. You will hear an unending groaning reverberate off the walls from the area furthest from you. It is of the utmost importance that you listen to where the sound echoes from. Should the source of the noise change, Stand still for five seconds and extend your right arm, displaying your palm towards the darkness. If you feel what seems to be thousands of the most wretched bugs in existence crawl across your arm, do not flinch. Do not cry out. If you do either, there is nothing that will save you. If the feeling ceases, then proceed further. Upon reaching the end of the hall, something will trigger the lights. The light shall reveal thousands of corpses formed together as the floor, so as to show the sacrifices one must make to achieve ownership of the object. A door will be to your right. Open it. Once you cross over the threshold of the door, you will arrive in an office. A man will be facing you, sitting in a chair on the opposite end of the room. He will speak on a cell phone dripping with blood, but his voice will be non-existent. However, once you ask him the question, he will pause. Why have I been chosen? He will then hold out the bloodied phone. Take it and listen. A raspy voice shall describe the purpose of the objects and why you have been chosen. And you shall shake uncontrollably. This phone is Object 48 of 538. Number 49. The Holder of the Grail. In any city, in any country, go to any mental institution or halfway house you can get yourself to. When you reach the front desk, ask to visit someone who calls himself the Holder of the Grail. As soon as your words reach her ears, the worker will suddenly have a blank stare on her face. If you stare at her, you may suddenly lose all grasp of reality. You should avert your gaze and ask your question again. A blunt object will smash into your head from behind, and all will go black. When you wake up, you'll be in a dark room. A compass stands on a pedestal in the middle pointing out the four directions for all eternity. If you go south, you'll find a well. If you look inside the well, 
a stream of demons will emerge and eat you. This is far worse than it sounds, as your consciousness does not vanish, and you will have the experience of being digested in fifty different places for countless millennia. If you go east, you will wander the land of Nod for all time. The wind may strip the flesh from your bones, but your skeleton will not cease to walk. If you go west, you will reach the edge and will not resist the urge to throw yourself over. If you go north, you'll find a door with a strange marking on it. If you place your hand on this mark, you will see an image of him. He will tell you to enter the door. Inside, you'll find a forest. If you go into the forest, you'll find a lake. Quickly, if you turn away, you'll escape from sudden death, for the lake is but a mirage, masking a creature far more horrible than anything from your worst nightmare. If you keep going and suddenly turn left, you'll find a pool of blood. There's a man in the pool of blood, and he asks for your soul. If you give him your soul, he'll get up. This man has the face of a devil, but his voice is that of an angel. When he smiles at you, if you do not turn away, your soul will be lost forever. When the man walks up to you, he'll say, Thank you, and will give you a grail filled with blood. And suddenly... In a single second, you will wind up in the kitchen of whatever place you call home. Be thankful. If you had done something wrong, the man would still be holding your soul. And the pain of such a separation is an experience you do not wish to go through. But bear in mind, you will survive. You will live on in screaming agony till someone deems to end your suffering. Put the cup in the freezer. It should be kept cold and never spill a drop, lest it ignite once more the fires of hell on earth. This grail is object 49 of 538. Number 50. The Holder of the Afterlife This journey is not for the faint of heart, nor the wicked. I control the lives of all men and those that are inhuman. If you still wish to seek me, be advised you cannot make this journey more than once. You will go to any morgue in any city, state, or country. Ask any mortician there to see the most current customer. Should a look of disgust and disbelief come over him, thank him for his time. Take a bow, turn around, and walk. Do not run. Walk calmly out of there. I know your time as I know everyone's, and it has not yet come. Should a look of understanding come over him, He will leave the room and return with a large French chef's knife, two surgical needles with thread, and a gold bar. 
he will also roll in a fresh body in a medical book. Put down the needle on the roller, stab the knife over the body's head, and stand facing the top of the body with the bar in your hand. Do whatever with the book. Only a book. You must wait until the mortician leaves the room, which will be quite a long while. Before he leaves, he will state the scientific name of a location in the body and will take his leave. Stand until the mortician leaves the room and do nothing until he does. When he leaves, look in the book for the name of that place in the body and use the knife to split that part of the body open. Place the gold bar in that part and thread it up. Only one of the needles will completely remove the scar, so choose wisely. Do all this while holding a stoic expression on your face. After you have completed your task, the room will go dark, and you must yell in a clear voice. See? I have prepared a gift for you. Take what is yours. I will then appear in all my unearthly glory and judge. If you had a reaction from any time the mortician left the room up until when the lights went dark, or the scar remains, your soul will be mine to take as well as the gift, and you will both be taken to my lair. If your face was stoic throughout, and if the scar healed, I will unwrap my present with my great scythe, searching for the bar. Remain with a lack of expression on your face, or I will decapitate you. Not so bad an end as others in this journey. When I find it, I will smile. And when I smile, a bright light will flash and the room will reappear, shockingly different. I describe to prepare you. The room will be constructed out of dead children and toddlers, their eyes gone and blood ebbing out of their mouths. They will be cemented together with a black substance slowly enveloping them. They will writhe and cry for their mommy and daddy. Blood will replace their tears. You cannot close your eyes or show emotion, lest I judge you to be unworthy and will take you to Tartarus. There will be one baby in front of you, dead, normal, with a scalpel in its head. Perhaps you will recognize it. After half a minute of this horror, if you remain sane, it will be time for the third test. A dark, twisted version of this world shall appear inhabited by the damned. Where we appear, there will be a strange, smooth stone field with one three-foot pillar in the center. I shall reappear and throw you a wicked, dark knife carved with symbols. You must stab the end of your forefinger with it. You will feel unbearable pain in your finger, but be pleased that I have lessened the pain for you. 
Otherwise, you would have had pain throughout your body. You must bear the pain, however, and though the blood will not clot in the finger, you will not run out of blood, for you are in my realm. After which, you must draw me a pentagram, six feet circumference, with the tip of the star pointing at me. Make sure it's good. I am a ruthless judge. You are allowed to plan and measure. When you are done, I shall look upon it. One of two things will happen. One, I turn and close my eyes in disgust. If this happens, the pentagram will catch a blaze. As your blood on the ground burns, so shall the remaining blood in your body. Your veins shall burn for all eternity in the center of the pentagram, the pain never leaving. Two, I like your art and smile. I will turn to you and smile. My eyes will blacken dark. Shadowy tendrils will come from my mouth and form a hellish grin. You will realize that the same is happening to you and that I have just infected you with my disease. When the blackening will cease to flow from your body, it will have turned night. Stare only at the pentagram. A demonic audience is watching you, and they tend to rip people to shreds if they look at them. So keep your gaze fixed upon the pentagram. They will dance around you in a devilish flurry, taunting you, mocking you, spitting on you, and the like. If you remain stoic, then they will leave. After they have all left, the blackening will return and ignite a random number of candles around the pentagram. Count and remember this number. It will serve you well in the end. The light will return and you will awaken outside of the morgue around midday. The cut on your finger will have healed. And it will be the exact number of candles that will dictate how many days have gone by. You will notice a dark ooze on the ground in front of your face and sticking in your clothes. The blackening has followed you. You now hold the power to summon the blackening within you at will. The same you saw in my face during the third test. The ones who gaze at your face when it appears will slowly be consumed by the blackening, the disease. Every time you summon the blackening, you will feel the pain you felt on your finger, over your whole body, increase tenfold. You will not pass out, but the pain will be unbearable. The disease is Object 50 of 538. With it, you can blacken anyone, even the immortal. For more information on this podcast, including how to submit your own story for consideration, please visit creepypod.com. You can also follow us at CreepyPod on social media and YouTube. 
All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons Sharealike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast Production Team and the story's author. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. The only thing I could hear was 7219 laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.